I was going to have a PowerPoint this morning with the scriptures on it. I ran out of time. Um, fancy that. So open your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. You should open your Bibles anyway. Bring your Bibles, please. That's important to do. If you have a Bible on a tablet, that's cool. That's what I do. Um, we're going to talk about hope. Hope, 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 hope. Um, have you ever noticed there are certain words in, in the church life that we hear over and over again, and, and we really don't understand a lot of times? Uh, one is hope, one is joy, one is love, you know. I mean, we, we hear, we say them all the time. Oh, we hope in you. We sing about it. That was a great song. Eddie sang about it. And my hope is in you, Lord. We sing those songs. And what does hope really mean? And, you know, when I, when I look at the world today, I see a lot of hopeless people. People without any hope. And the sad thing is, is that I see a lot of those people in churches. You know, it's not just out in the world of people who don't know Jesus. There are hopeless people all over, including many hopeless Christians. And when we see all that God has done for us through Jesus Christ, and when we understand everything that's available to us by having faith in Him, to be hopeless is kind of, uh, it's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's antithetical to being a Christian. But many times... I find myself feeling hopeless. How many of you ever felt hopeless? And so what I hope to do today is kind of unravel a little bit of that. So Father, open your word to us, we pray. Holy Spirit, come be our teacher. Let us see Jesus with new eyes. Let our hearts and our spirits be filled with hope. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O God, my Redeemer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to look at Abraham. We want to start in Romans 4. We want to start at verse 13. And I want to read four verses first, 13 to 16. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. When God met Abraham and he said, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. And basically he was saying, and through your seed is going to come the promised Messiah. The man of promise. This promise didn't come through the works of the law. But it came through the righteousness of faith. Verse 14. For if those who are of the law are heirs, then faith is made void and the promise is made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. If we, if we could create and earn hope, um, you know, then that would be one thing. But whenever we try to do something like that, we're shut down because our imperfections trip us up. The law, our works, always lead to condemnation and wrath. So verse 15 says, it's a faith so it might be according to grace, so the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, meaning the Jewish nation, but also to those who are the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. The neat thing about our life in Christ is that it's, it's a life that's marked by grace. And there's nothing you or I bring to it. There's nothing you or I contribute to it. It is done. It's complete in Him. And it's a faith through grace so it could be open to all. 
it, not just because I was born in a certain family or because I live in a certain country or because I'm part of a certain denomination or because I have a certain belief in a certain dogma or doctrine. It's none of those things. It's by grace through faith. So the first point I want to make is that hope is missed many times because we don't realize how closely re- related it is to faith. We, we hear in, in 1 Corinthians 13 when Paul said, Now there abides faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, but I like to call that the hope sandwich. Now think about it. When you go to get a sandwich, you know, the biggest consideration is not the bread. The biggest consideration is the meat. It's all about the meat. Right, guys? Yeah. And so, so think about this. Hope is the meat. Without hope, your faith will grow weak. And without hope, your love will grow cold. Did you just hear that? If we don't have hope, our faith grows weak. If we don't have fo- a hope, our love grows cold. And we cannot work up hope. That's the problem I see. So many people are hopeless, and they're trying to work up some hope. They're trying to work up some faith. They're trying to work up some love. None of these things we're good at. (laughs) But when Christ takes over, wow. I want to read a couple scriptures in that. Hope like faith is a work of God's grace in our lives. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Notice how it's, I want to sh- I'm trying, showing you now how hope is linked to faith. Let me read that again. Now may the God of hope, there's our hope, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in what? In believing. What is that? That's faith. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So hope comes through believing and it releases the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that then abounds with hope. You see, it has nothing to do with you. Everything to do with God. Colossians 1, 21-23. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith. Now, I'm showing you how faith and hope are related. He says, all of this is true for you if you continue in the faith, if you're grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. You see, God's calling us to persevere in faith and to hang on to the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a minister. So hope is closely related to faith We can't work up hope. Hope like faith is a work of God's grace in our lives. Verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So now we're going to try to dig in now to what hope really is and how it, it, it manifests itself and abounds in our lives. So hope always begins with the promise of God's Word. Hope doesn't begin with anything else. It begins with the promise of God's Word. 
When the Lord met Abraham, he met Abraham with a promise. He said, Abraham, you are going to become the father of many nations. He didn't have a son. Sarah's womb was barren. He gave Abraham that promise. He said, Abraham believed God's promise, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Hope springs forth from God's promises that are spoken in and over our lives. Now, that may seem like a strange uh, you know, concept of what Eddie said when he said, we're going to sing this song now over you. But there are things that God speaks into us, and there are things that God speaks over us. And right now, both of those things are happening. I'm speaking things over you as a body, and the Holy Spirit speaking things in you from things that I'm saying. Hope springs forth with the promise of God. When there's no promise, the Bible says, when there's no vision, the people perish. They, 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 they die. A nation dies when it loses its vision. Now, I'm old enough to remember when Ronald Reagan became president. And when he took over the White House, we were probably at one of the lowest moral Morale, not moral, morale declines in our nation. We didn't love our nation. We didn't care about our nation. Nobody had any patriotism. I mean, it was just like blasé. We were getting kicked around by all the nations of the world. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? And, um, and Ronald Reagan came in, and he brought hope to this nation. He spoke things over us in, in a natural sense, that rose the collective hope of a nation. And I'll never forget how much I felt more of, of a proud of being a, a, a part of this country when he was the president. When he spoke, it renewed hope in my life as an American citizen. When God speaks, it ignites true hope in our lives. This hope is not dependent on us. It's dependent on the one who, listen, gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they did. I love that. Here, here's Abraham. You know, he's, he's 75 when he gets this word. 75 years old. Sarah, I don't know how old she is. They're entering their sunrise years. Now, guys, I'm not, I'm not saying that you're going to have kids, okay? We're not saying that, you know. Wow. You know, but, you know, who knows? Anyway, um, but Abraham was 75, and, and Sarah, you know, whatever age she was, and, and uh, she couldn't have any kids, and Abraham's 75, he's, you know, here's the word of the Lord, okay, you know, believe it, believe it, you know, and, you know, and, and a little hope erupted, but not a whole lot of hope at the, because at the, then he waited 25 years. I mean, like he's 99, and God renews that, that promise and speaks that promise again over his life, and Sarah hears it, and she laughs. She laughs. She wasn't laughing so much at God. I think she was laughing at Abraham. <laughs> it was an impossible thing. But God spoke it over their lives. Listen to this from Romans 15.4. Whatever things were written, and then we're talking about God's word here. Whatever things were written for our learning, they were written so that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have what? Hope. 
<laughs> oh, man. You mean God's Word was written for me to find hope? Exactly. Exactly. Now, here's what most people miss. There are two types of hope. And God really showed me something about this that, that I hope I can communicate as, as well as I feel it in my heart. Verse 18 of Romans 4. So Abraham, 75 years old, even when he was 99, hears those promises. And it says, verse 18, who contrary to hope, hope number one, in hope believe, hope number two. There's two hopes. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken by God, so shall your descendants be. God said, look up in the heavens and look at the stars. He said, I'm going to give you more descendants than that. Wow. Most people miss hope because they anchor their lives on an earthly hope. I want to define that. That's the first kind of hope. An earthly hope. There is an earthly hope. If there wasn't, we would all be walking around like this every day. You know, I mean, you ever seen those commercials where everybody's in gray and you guys on there? You know? Or, or they're all driving the same color car, then one, one, uh, somebody zips through the red sporty car and it just kind of breaks up the whole monotony. But I see people, you know what? You don't see people actually walking that way, but you see it in their, their countenance. You know, have you, you ever been asked by one person who's checking you out at the store, whatever store it is, and they say, how are you today? And you say, fine, how are you? And they go, I don't know. No one ever talks to me about that. And maybe they're not doing very well. You see a waitress, you know, sometimes can you, you know, can you, we need to have a little more grace, don't we? You know, because some people are really like hopeless and you go to a restaurant or something and you don't know what kind of day that waiter or waitress is having. Come on, hurry up, bring my food! You know. There's an earthly hope, but earthly hope is tied to, listen, what we are experiencing or what we hope to experience. I'm experiencing this, my hope shatters. I hope to experience that, it doesn't happen, my hope shatters. Now I know some of you heard this story like 150 times, now you're going to hear it the 151st time. Because it's the best example of shattered hope that I can tell you. I was nine years old, heading to Disneyland for my birthday. Been waiting for weeks. My dad promised me. We all piled in the car. My mom, my dad, my sister, my grandma and grandpa. We get in the car and we're driving, not the freeway, because the freeway didn't exist to go to Disneyland then. It was Brea Canyon Cutoff. We're going down through there to Harbor Boulevard all the way down to Disneyland. We get, I see, I see it, I see it. It's there. And I'm, I'm like, like this, you know. Carla's pushing me away. I'm like this. She's pushing me. She always pushed me anyway. I love her still. But anyway, <laughs> we get there. We pull into the, the parking area. And I hear this person say, 
Well, sir, it's 5.30. The park closes in only 30 minutes. I see my dad pull his car in and turn around. We start heading back toward home. And then my dad says, well, let's go bowling. And my grandparents say, we don't like to bowl. <laughs> my sister pushed me again. <laughs> and then we get home. Everyone is fighting. That's when your hopes are dashed, man. <laughs> Let me tell you, try to, you know, that was a dashed hopes, baby. I mean, and the cake was lopsided, so it was a bad day. If you just have an earthly hope, it can just be shattered like that. The minute circumstances change, there goes your hope. If everything's hung on what's going to happen, what you expect to happen, and everything, boom, you're disappointed. Hope is gone. An earthly hope never endures. Think about it. It could be the maybe it's maybe it's happening in this life, and then you die. <laughs> I mean, you know, nothing endures in this life, does it? So an earthly hope doesn't endure, and an earthly hope leads ultimately to sorrow and disappointment. Let me let me read a couple of scriptures about an earthly hope not enduring. Ephesians 2, 11 to 12. Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at a time, there was a time when you were without Christ. Think about that. Remember the time when you were without Christ. It says you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. The reality is that if we don't know Jesus, we really don't have any hope. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, But I want you not to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Over all the years I've pastored, I've done a lot of funerals, and I've noticed something very clear and very distinct. There is a difference between one who is grounded in the Word of God, has a strong relationship with Christ, and when they lose a loved one, there's a difference between how that person embraces that loss and someone who really doesn't have that cultivated and maturing faith in their lives or they have no faith at all. The most tragic thing is when they have no faith at all because everything they've hoped for is gone. Paul's saying, I don't want you to sorrow like that as people without hope. Our hope must not be anchored on anything other than Christ. Then I thought about this. We tend in the church, listen to this very carefully, because this is a very important point, I think. Why is it that, that there are so many hopeless people in the church? And if you're hopeless this morning, I don't want you to leave that way. Why is it that there is just as many people it looks like hopeless people in the church, they give up on everything. Well, could it be that we've been peddling from the pulpit earthly hope? 
if everything I share with you is about how you can right now be more successful, right now be more happy, right now be more this, right now be more that, then I'm, all I'm doing is I'm repackaging earthly hope with some Christian ribbon. But I'm giving you the same thing that's going to let you down. Are you listening to me? We are so focused on the individual today. Do you realize that God doesn't call us to be individuals? He calls us to be individuals that are part of a family. And family is the key ingredient. We're called to be part of the body of Christ. That means that your needs, the needs of the body, the needs of the community. We met with Kay Granger, who is our, our congressman for this area. Pastors in the area met with her for an hour at Arcadia Coffee Shop. And they drank picked coffee, by the way. And so they're sitting there, and even Kay Granger drank picked coffee. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I didn't strongly endorse because it wasn't my place, but, you know, I, I, I was going, pick, pick, pick. Anyway, um, and she was asking why... Why we have so much anger and hatred and division in, in, in our, our, our world, in, our, in the United, Nation, United States, in, in Texas even. And one pastor said something that was very astute. He said, we're no longer connected to our communities because we no longer view ourselves as a community, even in the house of God. And the needs of the individual supersede the needs of the community. And I was telling Terry in the prayer room this morning, every great move of God and every great move in our history as a nation has been through people who valued the community more than their own individual lives. And so Paul writes this, and I wonder if maybe he was thinking of this when he wrote, he said, listen to this very importantly, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. Wow. That means if my theology, if my, my faith, if my Bible, if everything about me as a Christian is only geared to this life, and I'm not looking toward the real hope, and I'm not invested in God's family, and I'm not thinking about others, then my hope is really as shallow as the hope of someone who doesn't even know Christ and vulnerable to breaking down and disappointing. Verses 19 and 20. And not being weak in faith, Abraham did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Let me give you another alternate reading of that. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith as he gave glory to God. I think both can be correct. That his perseverance in faith gave God glory because it was an evidence of a sincere faith 
and a godly hope. But he also grew in faith as he worshipped and gave glory to God in his own life. And there was this relationship that was happening with the Father when God told Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to be your great reward. Abraham learned what that meant. And for those 25 years of waiting, he grew in that relationship with God and that renewed his hope. So there's an earthly hope and there's a living hope. God calls us to a living hope that is rooted and grounded in Him. Faith in God's promise. When God spoke to Abraham, he believed in God's promise. And listen, here's how it worked. Faith in God's promise caused him to persevere in hope. How did it do it? Well, faith produced hope. Hope strengthened faith, and persevering faith gave glory to God. Faith produced hope. Hope strengthened his faith. And persevering faith gave glory to God. How many of you want to give glory to God in your life? We need hope. Abraham's hope did not disappoint him because his hope was in the love, it was in the promise, and it was in the nature of the living God. It was a living hope. Now, I've got four verses that I want to read that that strengthen that. Listen to them I'm going to read them in, a, in a, a distinct order, and I want to see how this builds. The first one is in Romans 5, verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint us, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Notice we had read before that we abound in hope through what? The Holy Spirit. And this living hope that God gives us, this hope that comes from His heart and from His throne, this hope that comes from His Word into our lives, it never disappoints us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has been poured out in our hearts. I love that. Second scripture. Every good and every perfect gift. Do you know that the word elpis, in, 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 that's the word in Greek, E-L-P-I-S, uh, in the, the phonetic spelling. Elpis means expectation of something good. I mean, that's the definition of hope right there. Expectation of something good. You got that? That's the word that's used in the New Testament for hope. Now listen to this from the book of James. Every good gift and every perfect gift. What is that? That's hope. Do you see it? Everything that's good and everything that's perfect, everything that comes from the Father of lights, is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Why doesn't hope ever disappoint us? Living hope from God? Because God never changes. I change every day. My friend, one friend gave me a hard time because we were at a convention and I went, oh, wow. I packed one pair of jeans too little. And he looked at me, he said, you change your jeans every day? The other guy goes, you change your jeans every day? I said, yeah, doesn't everybody? They just, they were belly laughing, rolling on the couch. I said, well, I guess this week I'm not going to change them every day. Uh, anyway, I change my jeans every day. God never changes his jeans. They stay perfectly clean every day. God never changes. I change all the time. 
We get in the car. Karen goes, what do you want to eat? I'll say one thing. We'll drive one block. Then I'll say another thing. We'll turn the corner. I'll say, how about this? And she says, I thought we were going here. I go, I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. That's what I usually say. Number three. He, indeed, Jesus, was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but he was manifest in these last times for you through him, for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope may be in God. You know, God never calls us to hope in anything else but him. He didn't say, Abraham, you're going you're to have all these riches and that's what you're going to hope in. I, I'm, your, I'm your riches God and I'm going to just bless you. He was blessed, wasn't he? He was very rich, but he, God never told him to hope in his riches. God never told him to hope in anything else. And the Bible says when he went even to sacrifice Isaac, it says that he believed that God was even able to raise Isaac from the dead. He knew that if the knife went through him as a sacrifice, which God didn't allow to happen, he was testing his heart. He knew that God would take that son of promise and raise him from the dead because he was the only son of promise he had. And God had said, you're going to be the father of many nations. And God never changes and God never lies. So his living hope gave him hope even when he was climbing that mountain and Isaac said, Dad, where's the lamb? I mean, he hasn't told Isaac what's going on. I mean, who would, you know? And, and, and he said, don't worry, Isaac, God will provide a lamb. You see, his hope, this living hope, man, it made him just exceed in hope. And he was able to climb every mountain that was in front of him. The fourth verse, I love this one. From 1 Peter 1, 3. Worship team, come back up. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want to tell you that empty tomb is the symbol of our hope. There is nothing in your life that's dead. There's nothing in your life that's beyond God's healing or reach. There's nothing that he can't do. His arm is not shortened. There's nothing too hard. God always has a living hope to put in our lives. The last point is this. In verses 21 to 25. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Oh Lord, would you help us to be fully convinced this morning? to be fully convinced in what you said. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. True hope, this living hope, is an eternal hope. I wonder, we know we have eternal life if we believe in Jesus, right? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and we each have to come to a place of decision where we invite Jesus Christ into our heart and life. 
and we know when we do that, we're, we're born again and we're going to heaven. We know that we have an eternity ahead of us. But how many of us are living right now like we're eternal? You know, do we really see past this wall? Do we even see past lunch today? I asked my daughter as I was talking to her on the phone yesterday, I said, uh, oh, so you and Caroline have a couple days off coming up this week. She said, yeah. I said, well, that's pretty cool. I said, what are you going to do? And she said, I don't know. And then I just started busting up laughing. She said, what are you laughing for, Dad? I said, I said, Man, I want, I want, to, I want to know that, <laughs> that again. But I don't know. No plans, no nothing on the agenda, nothing, you know. Because all of us, our, our lives are, are pretty much scheduled, planned, and, and we know, we're, you know, if you're working, you know, got to go to work, got to do this, got to go to school, da, 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 da. You know, and it's just like constant scheduling. And we live within the confines of the box that we create called our life. And really, we can't, you know, it's impossible for us in the physical to look and to see the eternal yet. It's not impossible for us in our spirit to reach forth and see the eternal. And to realize that we're living now eternally. You see, that's one of the reasons why we don't grieve like everybody else grieves. I mean, I'm going to die one day. And I, and I don't want anyone to grieve when that happens or when you die. We're going from... The temporal, which is eternal because we're, etern we're eternal, into our eternal destiny. We never, we never cease. We just walk through the door. And so, listen to this because it's about hope. Last two verses. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. Therefore we do not lose heart. What is that? We don't lose hope. Even though our outward man is perishing, every day I go, I got one less black hair in my mustache. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's kind of like, where did it go? The one on the right. I named him William. <laughs> he was my last gray hair. William's gone. <laughs> William, 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 William. <laughs> even my wife laughed at that one. That was good. Even though our, even though our <laughs> sometimes I, I just tickle myself. I don't know. Even though, <laughs> I can't get through it. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. See, all of this life is just for a moment. <laughs> is working for us, listen, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Hope. While we do not look at the things which are seen, an earthly hope, but we look at the things which are not seen, our eternal hope. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Last verse. 
Romans 8, 23 to 25. Stand with me as we close in worship. Not only that, Paul writes, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we are saved in hope. But a hope that is seen is not hope. Why do we hope for something when we see it? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Let's, let's let God just sink that into our hearts as we come before His throne. You choose the humble and raise them high. You choose the weak and make them strong. You heal our brokenness inside. And give us light. The same love that set the captives free. The same love that opened eyes to
Hallelujah. Give God praise. Lord, we worship you. You know, it's at the cross, dear ones, that we find that living hope. This is the last uh, little example I want to give you to try to grasp what I'm saying. This pin represents your hopes and your goals and your dreams. It's good to have hopes and goals and dreams. If you didn't have anything, you would never do anything the next day, right? So I'm not, again, I'm not saying you don't ever set goals, you don't ever have hopes, you don't ever have dreams. But that's my earthly hope. And if I hold that tightly, so tightly, that if the Lord wants to come and change it, He, he can't. And I'm, I'm gripping that so tight. And the problem with it is, and if it was something I could break, I would break it, but I don't want to get ink all over the place. It breaks. Or it doesn't last. And what I'm learning to do now in this stage of my life, actually, I just thought about this where, where I was praying and, and the Lord whispered this in my ear. Son, you're doing what your daughter's doing, only in a different way. <laughs> I don't really know what I'm going to do tomorrow or the next day or the next day or the rest of my life. I have a lot of things that I'd like to do. But each day I'm waking up and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I'm entering into a living hope that's opening doors and dreams and things for me that I never imagined, that I had no way of orchestrating. Exactly what Jason shared with our men last night. God's working behind the scenes. He's doing things. He's moving things. I'm not getting disappointed. I'm getting surprised. And God wants that for you. It's, it, he's no respecter of persons. He wants your hope to be a living hope. A hope that opens doors, a hope that leads you to, to fulfillment in your life. It all comes when you come to the cross, when you commit everything to Jesus. You lay it all down. You don't hold anything back. You seek first the kingdom. When you have a goal or a dream, when you have it in your hand, you come to the cross and you say, Lord, is this your goal and dream for my life or do you have something else? And if it isn't your goal or dream for my life, will you take it out of my hand and will you be my great reward and put in my hand what you have for me? Oh, Moses stood as a shepherd with a rod that used to guide sheep and bat away predators. And God said, I'm calling you to lead my people and to set them free and to lead them from Pharaoh into the promised land that I'm going to give them. And he said, I can't do it. I'm just a shepherd. He said, what's in your hand, Moses? He said, you're holding on to a living, an earthly hope. What's in your hand? And he said, I, my staff. He said, that's your earthly hope. Throw it down. And when he threw it down, God said, now pick it up. It's no longer to be an earthly hope. It's no longer to be a shepherd's staff. You're picking it up, and it's going to be the rod of God that will lead my people free. That is not just a closing comment. 
That's a prophetic word for somebody here this morning. If you will receive it. As we close. Father, make me
Mitch and Sandy, if you'd come forward. And um, Jason, come on up here. And you, you join Karen up front to be a team this morning. Thank you. Um, we're going to dismiss now. But before we do, I just want to say, if you're here, you know, we never, we never try to coerce anything out of people. That's not the right thing to do. We invite you. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, we invite you to come to know the one who can give you a living hope and sustain you through all of life. It will never disappoint you. He'll bring you forgiveness of sins, the joy of heaven, peace in your life, hope and joy as you walk with Him. If you need additional prayer for any need, these couples are here to pray over you as we dismiss. Now receive the blessing of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you. Can you see Him looking down on you? He's a good, good Father, and you're loved by Him. And may the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and grant you peace. Shalom. The peace of God that passes all human understanding. Lord, let that be upon your people. Let that be upon my life as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. If you need prayer, come forward. Thank you so much for being with us. We greatly love and appreciate you.